Welcome to Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. How is everybody doing? How are my peeps doing? I see we are kind of slow on people coming in, but I guess it's Friday and people are ready to check out. But you know what? We'll never check out on you. If you're here, we'll be here. If you're not here, we'll be here. We'll make sure to always be here for you folks. Welcome aboard, Melanie Keelan. From Barcelona, Spain, Melanie says, geez, sometimes you got to make a big effort to find the broadcast. Anybody listening to the broadcast on YouTube, please remember, <clears throat> please set your notifications. If you, if you haven't and it still doesn't come, I'm not sure, but you're supposed to be able to set the no. Oh, it's Thursday. Oh, wow. Wow. It's Thursday. It's not Friday. It's Thursday. What's wrong with me? Madre mía, que me está pasando? <laughs> you guys are right. It's Thursday. What am I thinking? Yeah, you're right. It's Thursday. I'm going crazy. Anyhow, uh, yes, folks. Yes, folks. It's Thursday. Um, well, we're here. We're here. Carl Cox, welcome to the program. Alistair Waters is in the house. Mikhail Rodnin is in the house. Egberto, I'm usually the one that gets the day off the week off one. <laughs> I know, man. I know. I know. I know. All right, Paul Fleming says, I understand the fearfulness of AI being in the wrong hands. Managing it is up to Congress. And right now, we are just uh, we are just big capable. Even we can't keep weapons meant for war out of the teeth. I just heard that from a guy, the, the guy who knows AI, the guy who sort of worked with AI at Google. He just said that that statement where he said, you know, if we can't even control keeping guns out of the hands of teenagers, how do we ever expect to take guns uh, to be able to control AI? And then he says, Google, after all, was holding back on stuff. But, you know, they released it because, you know, that's how capitalism works. Well, if that's how capitalism works, if capitalism puts capitalism in danger because of how it works, hmm. Maybe Darwin had a point after all. Anyhow, welcome aboard. Lee Grant is in the house. Welcome, Lee Grant. Paul Fleming is in the house. I think I read that piece from Paul Fleming. And, of course, we have the one, the incomparable Yvette Avery Herod. La belleza, la mujer hermosa de Atlanta, Georgia. How you doing, Yvette? Great seeing you in the house. Michael Rudnan has something from Deposit Photo. What is it, Michael? May the fourth be with you. You know what? I want to put that up because I think that lightning, that way, those, uh, what do you call it? The light swords is what they call them, right? The light swords. I love them. There we go. May the fourth be with you, folks. Courtesy of Deposit Photos and... El Señor Michael Rudnan. Ah, uh, what else we got here? You're not a Star Wars fan? I hate to tell you, man. No. But I loved I loved I loved to love Star Wars fans, but I'm I wasn't particularly into Star Wars, ET, and all that good stuff. What can I say? I'm a bore, man. You know, what can I say? I, you know, I, I kind of envy folks who like to really get in front of the computer with those nice chairs and the speakers and the chair and play games. When I see the fun that those folks are having, I sort of get like, damn, I wish I could enjoy that kind of stuff. I wish I could. I wish I could. 
I wish I could. Is there any hope for me, Mr. Rudnan? Is there any hope for me? Anyway, we got some stuff to cover. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's see. Let me see what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for more, more people to kind of get in la ola. Cuando, venga mas, cuando vengan más personas, cuando han venido la, más personas, I'll go ahead and play the videos. But for now, um, let me go ahead and start this way. Carl Cox says, I live in Metro Atlanta. May the Swartz be with you. Live long and prosper. Eric Hayes is in the house. He says, here is who we should not have any weapons but bond policy. Let's them out. Four out of five defendants are charged. <laughs> he doesn't leave it alone. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Michael Rudden says, yep, I'm one of those that like sci-fi fantasy, watching anime, playing video games, reading manga. But I'm way behind on the newest Star Wars movies. Well, it's time for you to get ahead, buddy. El Señor Bruce Pollard está en la casa. How are you doing, Bruce? Great seeing you, my brother. Alistair Waters says, I'm with you not getting into video games. You know, I think one of the reasons I didn't get into the video games is that I was scared to get hooked. You know, because... I'm going I'm to tell a, a, a little guilty, uh, guilty secret here. I always tell folks, you know, those things that we say, oh, could they possibly love that kind of stuff? But I once watched, uh, tengo mucho trabajo hoy. That means I had a, had a lot of work today, says Bruce Pollard. You know, um, I turned on Jerry Springer one time and I couldn't turn it off. You know, it was like the depravity and it was just like, it was just like, oh, uh, it drug you in and it drug you in and it drug you in. I don't have too much shame to say that. So what I had to do is I said, you know what? I see how this stuff made me watch Jerry Springer and Jerry Springer and Jerry Springer for a few days in a row. Nah, those were in the old days. I said, absolutely not. I will not go there. Okay. All right. Uh, today, Daria got, you know, I just knew he thought the guy from the, the leader of the Proud Boys, you know, it, it, I always found it. This Check this out. I always found it astounding that a black Latino was the head of a, <laughs> was the head of a white supremacist organization like the Proud Boys. I found it fascinating. E2247 is in the house. How are you doing, E2247? But then again, I shouldn't, right? Because some of the cops that do the most harm to BIPOCs, who are they? They're BIPOCs. So what can I say? I, I, I guess that answers it all. Uh, E2247 says all nine justices each signed on to Robert's April 25 statements of ethics, principles, and practices as they've never done since the great desegregation case of Cooper versus Aaron. As it, as it comes to games that uh, get you addicted, Among Us might be my favorite. Can get over that game, and I've been playing it for years. You can't get over it. Maywood is in the house. She says He, he says, good afternoon. All right, let's get busy. I think it's about time for us to get busy. The first topic of the day, and let me get to that screen, and then let me get out of here first, then I'll get to that screen. I want to go ahead 
And uh, I, 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 did I put it on, on the screen? I wanted this. This really got to me, and I'm going to tell you why it got to me. And it probably gets to all of us who are listening here. And it goes this way: it's a it's a common dream story. It says. Median pay to top U.S. CEOs jumped to record $22.3 million last year. So it turns out that the CEOs, the guys who sit at the top of these businesses, the ones who skim off of your labor, your intellect, and everything else, their median pay, the top CEOs, are now $22.3 million. Calculate that on a per hour basis for doing very little. The question is, we take a look at what's creating inflation right now, according to the feds and others, and they say that the reason the core inflation is currently kind of stuck at 4.5% is because what we have is wage inflation. And wage, when you put it like this, wage inflation, it sounds like something bad. Wage inflation just means that the American worker is finally getting more money than they used to. That's all it really means. The Americans are getting more money than they used to get because they were wages were stagnant for decades after decade after decade, and it was supplemented by what again? Remember Richard Wolf, economist Richard Wolf. The American salary wasn't supplemented by giving them more pay for more work or for better productivity. Their salaries kept pace with, with inflation? No. But you know what they got more of? They got more credit. So they were even more owned by the plutocracy. As they got more credit, more credit, they had no life because they were living ultimately, they were ultimately living to pay bills. And Eric, when you say Biden inflation, it, it actually diminishes your intelligence level. If you've just listened to my statement that said they're accusing the 4.5% stagnant inflation on wage inflation. And if it's wage inflation, it means that the American people are saying, we want more money for our work, justifiably so. And if the median pay for the top U.S. CEOs is $22.3 million, I think the workers are entitled to ask for said pay, don't you think? Egberto, that split between wages and productivity started to get uncoupled in real way starting during the Reagan first term. Exactly. We, I wrote about that in my book title, As I See It, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom. And believe it or not, my dear brother, uh, my dear brother Rodnin, that there is the same chart that um, Richard Wolf used at a conference that I attended. But let me tell you better. You see that line that says hourly compensation and that line that, that's going up there, the change? That productivity line, guess what? It mimicked in that other chart. And this is, this is mind-boggling. That super high productivity chart that says Americans have been more productive. You know what line went up? Like If I add another line to that chart, if I added the credit line to that chart, it would follow the productivity line. In other words, as productivity increased, we didn't compensate our workers more. We just gave them more credit. And in getting more credit, 
we simply owned them a bit more. It's that simple. That simple. And, you know, there are many who refuse uh, unwillingly or willingly because they are, you know, they're still under the vestiges of uh, not, not the slavery of the past, but what we call now antiseptic slavery of the corporations. That's where we are right now. And anybody wants to discuss that, hey, you could even call 281-823-7747. 281-823-7747. We're all ears waiting for anyone who wants to call and be a part of the conversation. Okay, I think I saluted everybody that's in here, but I've got a a video for you. You know the 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 uh, Ted Cruz has been the senator for Texas for quite some time, and people wonder how can somebody who everyone knows is a selfish being, how can someone everyone knows. He's an evil being. How comes Texas keep re-electing him? Well, we re-elected Abbott. And the fact that we re-elected Abbott says something, right? The fact that we re-elected Abbott, even though Abbott is one of the worst human beings on the planet, somebody who is living on the dole. It's not really on the dole. A tree fell on him. And he sued the holy hell out of folks. So he, he's gotten millions from that, right? But at the same time, this same guy has pa- gotten laws passed that prevented others from getting the same kind of compensation that he got. Wow. What a great guy. But anyhow, so Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz has got himself a worthy opponent this time around. And one wonders if it's going to, if, if this guy, Colin Allred, that is, can Colin Allred pull it out? Believe it or not, I think he can. I think he can. I think he will. So let's go ahead and give you a little taste of this, and then we'll take it En el otro lado. You know, uh, Republican politicians like to talk about blue states and red states and how the crime rate is up, etc., etc. And what it seems to me like they have to really look in their backyard, right? Take a look at this. You know, San Francisco has been getting a whole lot of blame. Oh, things are so bad. The crime rate is terrible. All that kind of stuff. And then you go ahead and you look to see. Let's look at San Francisco and see what kind of crime rate they have. Guess what? The murder rate is 6.35 murders per 100,000 people. So uh, who always complains about that? Red state folks. So let's look. Let's go to a red state like Oklahoma. Let's go to a place like Oklahoma City, right? You go to Oklahoma City and what do you find? Oklahoma City, it's not 6.35 murders per 100,000. It is twice that. 12.49 murders per what again? Per 100,000. But it gets worse because these are cities run by red mayors. So let's look at Tulsa. Tulsa is not twice. It's three times the, the, the murder rate of San Francisco. Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
17.29 murders per, what again? Murders per 100,000. Let's go even further. You go to a place like Louisiana. You go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and the murder rate is, oh my God, many times, six times as much. 38.26 murders per 100,000. And New Orleans is even worse. 39.5 times per you hear me? Well, why am I using those cities as examples, right? I mean, do you have bad cities that are blue with bad crime rates? Of course there are. Crime rate is a socioeconomic issue caused by what again? Poverty, uh, a bad social justice system, etc. But the reality is blue states, blue areas that are doing well are doing just well and they control crime. I want you to see this little piece here that I, I just saw and I said, let, let's go ahead and corroborate that, that, that data from uh, MSNBC's piece. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Since the killing of a major tech executive last month, fears have run rampant about crime in San Francisco and businesses have shuttered their doors, even though data shows violent crime on the decline. NBC's Jake Ward is taking a deeper look at perception versus reality. For a city of less than a million people, San Francisco really has an outsized reputation around the nation. And now officials here are eager to turn around this city's reputation. But it turns out that recent headline events like the murder of Cash App founder Bob Lee may reveal more about our assumptions about San Francisco than they do about what's really going on in this city. After Bob Lee's death in San Francisco, many commentators speculated on social media that the killer was someone homeless and mentally ill. David Sachs, a Silicon Valley investor, said so on his podcast. This idea of just releasing these people onto the street, I just think is an outrageous abdication of responsibility. But the man arrested in the crime turned out to be a tech consultant who knew the victim, according to police. And just like the mistaken assumptions in that case, San Francisco's dangerous reputation does not square with the data. San Francisco has challenges with crime, with public safety, and we're doing everything we can to deal with it. But just because people are seeing it in a more heightened way because of social media videos and sadly, sometimes people jumping to conclusions, it's unfortunately made San Francisco a bit of a target. Violent crime in San Francisco is at historic lows and its murder rate is far below most other cities its size, according to police and FBI data. But the pandemic brought a wave of property crime. The bike connection saw its windows smashed repeatedly. Have you had much in the way of property damage since then? Thankfully, no. Just kind of vandalism type things, but we haven't had any major attempts to have our bikes stolen. No big break-ins. No big break-ins. What about drug activity? on the streets. What do you see about that? That does seem to be worse. It seems like fentanyl has really gotten to a lot more kids. And that is where San Francisco really suffers. A fentanyl epidemic here, more than 200 overdose deaths in just the first three months of the year, has the governor calling in the Highway Patrol and the National Guard to help. The district attorney, Brooke Jenkins, criticized her predecessor's progressive reforms and ran for office on a platform of greater accountability. Prosecutions and convictions are up. I've taken a very strong approach in sending a message that this is not going to be something that we tolerate or take lightly because of the fact that we have so many overdose deaths. But while San Franciscans are as safe from violent crime as they were in the 1960s, Jenkins says perception as well as data shapes her priorities, like aggressively prosecuting drug dealers. But the city's public defender says that perception distracts from long-term policies that can actually change the city's drug problem. 
housing, job opportunities, people get more stable and people get more stable, we're less likely to have these kind of overdose deaths. And more prosecution does not, in your view, solve that problem? Not at all. We know that from 50 years of experience. Now, you'll recall that last year, San Francisco was the scene of an intense recall battle that wound up uh, ousting the progressive prosecutor, Chesa Boudin. Brooke Jenkins went on to replace him. Now, those two have very different attitudes, very different philosophies when it comes to crime. And unfortunately for San Francisco and for cities across the country, uh, multiple independent academic analyses have found that the attitudes and, and methods of prosecutors very often do not have any effect on the fundamental crime rate. It certainly doesn't seem to be having any any effect on the overdose rate in this city. That is certainly where most people's uh, concerns lie. More than 200 deaths in the first three months of the year. That's a 41% increase since last year as new forms of fentanyl make their way onto the streets. Meanwhile, the public defender says that he just wishes that some of the success stories would make the news. He points to stories of people having their records expunged and finding a job or coming out of jail, getting into city college and finding their true passion. He wishes that those those made national headlines as opposed to this unfortunate killing of a local tech executive. So again, stop being fooled. Stop being fooled by those who want to put you in fear. If you want to solve the problems of crimes, invest in, invest in your people. That is the bottom line. Invest in your people. You want to solve crime, invest in your people. Crime will go and dwindle all the way down. Perception is not reality. Loudmouth folks who lie to their constituencies should be made to pay. They should be made to pay because a lot of bad decisions are made because perception is not reality. We spend a lot. What's wrong with my mic? Perception is not Reality. Remember that, folks. Perception is not reality. All right. We're all working here. We're all working here. Let's see what you guys have to say now. Ted Cruz fled to Mexico during a blizzard. How are they favoring him at all? It's all caused by tribalism. And that's why I always talk about getting at the grassroots first, because tribalism is an interesting thing. It'll have you vote against your own interests. And that's why they make the other side look like they're, they're, they're wearing horns and that they're murderous and they're dangerous to you. That's what they do. You know, that's what they do. Uh, Paul Fleming Sr. says, we need to see Ivanka's emails. I wonder what we would find in Ivanka's emails. Uh, Michael Ronin says, Egberto, the chart, can you back uh, to it and sort it by rate instead of alphabetical? If you've sorted by rate, something interesting occurs. What you get is, uh, let me put it on screen for you. Uh, worst cities are in red states, Missouri, Maryland, Michigan, uh, again, St. Louis. Well, Baltimore's in a blue state, but St. Louis, uh, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Kansas City, Cleveland, Memphis, uh, Mobile, Mil uh, well, Milwaukee and Philadelphia are high up there. But again, you take a look at, you, you take a look at it. Crime has an interesting thing, right? And that interesting thing about crime is that we've always pointed out that it's a socioeconomic thing. All right, let's go ahead and see what else we have here from folks. Egberto, that chart, I sorted it. New Orleans is a blue city, but New Orleans is in a red state. 
and the respond the the buck stops with the government of the red state. It's their state. They are the ones who put out policies that purportedly do good things. So the buck stops where again, Eric? Don't absolve your responsibility. They're, they failed. All right, Michael Rodney said Chicago is the conservatives' favorite scapegoat, and it's at number 17, of course. Ahmad Mohammed says businesses don't lie and are leaving the city due to crime. Uh, if you think a company is leaving San Francisco because of crime, you are saying that those are some very poor business people. If those numbers or those stats that we just show you prove that if they move to another big city, LA or another thing, that they, they are pretty much in bad shape. If they move it, it proves their business acumen is deficient. But the reality is, again, Mr. Ahmed, is it Ahmed? I think that's what you, yeah, Mr. Ahmad Mohammed. That's not the issue. The issue is San Francisco is ridiculously expensive. I don't know how uh, folks have allowed prices to go up like that. Soon as the prices go up like that, you get the hell out of Dodge and they're forced to come down, right? Because nobody's buying it. Lee Grant says, Egberto, with such a low opinion uh, you have of Texas elected officials like Abbott and Cruz, why do you think people are moving to Texas? Because they, it's simple. It's simple. Low taxes. You know, so here's what you do. You go and you get educated and you get a great job in a blue city, blue state. You accumulate a lot of money because, again, the appreciation of your homes go through the roof. And then when it's time to retire or make a change in life, you come to Texas. Why? Because we are a state that allows others to come into our state and live very well. But those who created their lives in this state, because they don't get the delta in appreciation. That Let, let me give an example of a good friend. A good friend of mine bought a house in San Jose, held on to that house for about 10 years. His house like triple or quadruple in value. He moved to uh, Syracuse, New York, bought a house in Syracuse, New York, cash, because of how much he made on his home, that even after capital appreciation, he kept, he, got, he was way ahead, and then moved to Texas. Again, based on leaving blue states in great shape. That's what it's all about. So yeah, I can't blame anybody for their personal economy. So that's your answer, Brother Lee Grant. They, they actually live better because, in effect, they're taking advantage of Texans. But anybody who are, is, taking a, is, learn, is, is trying to maximize their retirement, that's what they would do. They would say, great, I get all my cash, take it out of California, where I take the value of my home out of California, can come to Texas and get stuff for cheap. And why are things cheap in Texas? Because we don't do well by our citizens. Because we screw our citizens. That's why. So that's your answer, Brother Lee. Texas knows how to screw its citizens so much that others come into Texas from other states, from blue states specifically. That's it. Every case, Egberto, fentanyl, Egberto here, the no accountability at border. I think you missed the point, but that's, that's normal. 
Daniel Adol says, perception is not reality. Perception is not reality. And yet, Egberto refuses to apply that logic to his own preconceived biases. Too often for Egberto, his perception is the reality. Surely there is a hypocrisy here. You think? I don't think so. If you can prove any of my perceptions wrong, I will change. That's who I am. Uh, let's see. Alistair Waters says, cities don't have a choice when the state steps in. Eric, remember Houston? Exactly right, girlfriend. Uh, let's see what else we got replying to. That is a conversation. Reality is not a progressive thing. Evidently it is. Because the reality on many on the other side seems to be fleeting, maybe? But I don't know. Thomas Scandalous Kids Education Payment reported by ProPublica Editor. Yeah. Thomas shows that he is one of the most corrupt Supreme Court justices that we have known to date. Man, is the guy corrupt. He's just up for sale. Bruce says we should do some statistical analysis of this table before we make claims or assumptions. Um, no, no, no. Uh, Bruce, my claim and assumption was not about, you see, what folks like to do is make it a blue-red issue, right? And when it's and break it down that way. And as you do a blue-red issue, when you come out and say, well, let's look at all these areas in Appalachia that has bad crime or whatever, then they go ahead and say, it's like what Eric, not Eric, but uh, what uh, CSAC then says, yeah, but look at where the crime is. It's in Detroit. It's in it's in uh, 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 Baton Rouge. It's in these areas. And what's coming about those areas? Aren't those areas predominantly black? To which I say, yeah, they are. And then you say, but I say, but what does it matter? It's the crime rate. It's what your state is doing to stop crime. What does that have to do anything with it, right? And then, they, then I, I could take them to certain parts in Appalachia and show, uh-oh, when you look at the crime rate in this little town or when you extrapolate for the population and how folks live, it all comes out to what it's supposed to be. Crime is a socioeconomic thing in the aggregate, not in the absolute, because there are instances, look at uh, um, Murdoch. Murdoch is pretty much a killer, but he lived a very, a very, a very, very privileged life. So he's a psychopath, Murdoch. But on, in the aggregate, we find that socioeconomics is the main factor dealing with crime. All right, let's see what else we've got. Paul Fleming says, fentanyl doesn't only come from the border. You can order it online. It's flown in the country. It's shipped in from China. So please stop. I, I mean, again, you know, you have to swat down so many, you know, so many what do you call it uh, bait and switches it gets difficult but you do it uh let's see Egberto you are not on point today really what am I not on point on Bruce Pollard says that's me I believe in numbers and formulas you should Michael Rudnan says all the conservative Supreme Court justices have a corruption scandal plaguing them Allowing the Supreme Court to police themselves has resulted in the lack of ethics. What's amazing to me is the ones that are lacking ethic are on the conservative domain. We've, I mean, these guys have all been investigated. And the ones that are taking money, the ones with real estate deals, all these guys that are going through all these tribulations, 
are whom again? The conservative judges, including the Supreme Court's lead, Roberts, whose wife has accumulated millions. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. All right, let's see what else we got here. Egberto, County Commissioner Hidalgo wasting taxpayer money with security detail for her to vacation spots in Mexico and Colombia to see family. Uh, did you say the same thing when uh, Donald Trump is on a golf course in Ireland with private security? Mm, I don't think so, right? Nah, I don't think you did. I don't think you said that. So what's the problem with Hidalgo again? What's the problem with Hidalgo? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Every time you define, Daniel Lado says, every time you define another person's intent for their political stances on the philosophy, you're applying your perception to reality. There is absolutely no way for you to divine intent unless you have some kind of Professor X level mutation. That would be nice if I had that. Oh, but I don't, what I do is I look at outcomes, right? It, it is like, I can't tell what's in your heart. Let, let, put it this way. I can't tell what's in the heart of Americans in the aggregate, right? But if I, there, there's a TikTok that I saw this morning, right? Again, I can't say what's in the heart. But there's a TikTok, an ex experiment. Two women, one black woman, one white woman, goes into a, uh, into a real estate agency, and they said to, 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 to try to get listings. And the, the black woman goes in and the woman's, and, and say, by the way, they made sure to make the test equal. Same credit score, same amount of income, all of that the same. They go ahead and they ask uh, for uh, the listings. And the, the, the white, the, the black woman received a statement that said, uh, you, you know, you have to be pre-qualified for us to give you the listings for these homes. In other words, only if you can afford these homes, are you going to get the listings, but you, we have to pre-qualify you first. Okay. For the, for the mortgage, white woman comes in, same exact record, all that good stuff. And the woman said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pre-qualify. You may want to try somebody else. The white woman walk in after that. So we did it to, they did it to make sure they could do it on even keel. And immediately the woman was offered, uh, I think they said 20 different listings and two walk-ins. So I can't tell you, Mr. Ledo, if that woman is racist or not. I can't tell her intent. But I can tell you the outcomes of what she does is a constancy. And therefore, it is safe to assume, again, who she is. I can say the same thing about education. I, I, wrote, a, I wrote my book, Tribulations of an uh, Afro-Latino Caribbean Man, because I, I smile and I'm happy and I am all of this. But what if, if in, I've had several businesses, I've worked in several corporations, even at my radio station. Engineering, non-engineering, all kinds of things I've worked. And in my book, Tribulations of a Afro-Latino Caribbean Man, most people would just like to hell with this. You know, like Ledo said, he's right. 
I can't tell specifically what's in their heart, but when the constancy of the behavior is the same, I think it's okay to assume. Okay. All right. Mike Cisak says, Egberto doesn't realize when you look around the world, very high murder rates are nearly consistent in areas with black populations. You are, you are, you are obsessed with finding crime and blacks, crime and blacks, right? You're obsessed with it. You can't look at what the non-melanated people have done around the world. You're simply wrong. Go around the world. Please go around the world. Wherever there's strife, go around and remember what occurred in Ireland. Go around and remember what occurred in Serbia or Herzegovina. Go around the world, please. You know what is a problem too often here in America, especially with our localized racists in America? We are so uneducated about the rest of the world. We are so uneducated about the rest of the world that we, we can make assumptions based on silly, silly assumptions. You go into Montenegro, go into uh, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, uh, these different instances, go anywhere in the world, and you'll find that your statement is, at best that I can put, it's an asinine statement, but you are obsessed with wanting to find that there's something inherent to black people that is violent. When you know what happens to white folks who hang around Black people in the aggregate, guess what happens? They come about and like, the culture is so loving. Not only the Caribbean black folk, the culture is so loving, but you go to Uganda, the same thing. You go to Tanzania, the same thing. It's a different culture. And what happens is the people who write the history have you believing that somehow inherent to this dark melanin comes violence and you believe it. But it's amazing that the ones that you think are so violent were the ones who were able to be captive and enslaved for centuries. It is amazing that the ones you think are so violent are the ones who nuts were cut off, are the ones who ears were cut off, are the ones who were whipped and bled and... But they are the most violent? Mike Cisak? Again, Mike, it's amazing that you forget about the lynchings. It's amazing that you forget about all these things that have happened. And come out with stats and say where, what these stats are in these cities. You're, you, you don't take the blame for that your violence bred violence. You don't take that into consideration, right? You just want to be able to say that hate within. Somehow the melanated is more violent. Dream on, sir. Dream on. You know? The most loving culture, and this is a cultural thing. It's not a racial thing, but the cultural thing is interesting. So give up. Michael, before you go, there's another good video that we have coming out here on, on um, which one did I pl play first? I think I need to play you the, 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 Ted, Cruz, uh, the Ted Cruz video. But I, I just wanted to get CSAC arranged because CSAC, poor thing, 
he really has to dig pretty hard. But anyway, let's go to the last video today. And that is the, that Ted Cruz is going to be, uh, he has somebody to run against. Let's go ahead and check that out right this minute. Well, Ted Cruz got himself a compelling, compelling candidate that's going to run against him, a compelling opponent in Colin Allred out of, uh, out of the, I think it's a Dallas area. I want you to listen to this uh, interview that uh, he got from, uh, uh, from O'Donnell. O'Donnell did a great job. I want you to see exactly how he staged it because I think he got a whole lot out of Allred in the manner he asked some of the questions and given him the opportunity to say the things that he needed to say. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Democratic Texas Congressman Colin Allred, who announced today he is running against Rafael Edward Cruz, seems to recognize that Texans don't vote for Ted Cruz because they like him. They vote for him simply because he's a Republican. When I left the NFL, I thought my days of putting people on the ground were over. Then January 6th happened. I remember hearing the glass break and the shouts coming closer. I texted my wife, whatever happens, I love you. Then I took off my jacket and got ready to take on anyone who came through that door. And Ted Cruz, he cheered on the mob. We will not go quietly into the night. Then hid in a supply closet when they stormed the Capitol. But that's Ted for you. All hat, no cattle. When Texans were freezing in the dark, he jetted off to Cancun. He'll do anything to get on Fox News, but can't be bothered to help keep rural Texas hospitals open. Spends months trying to whip up phony culture wars, but not a minute trying to raise wages or lower drug prices. The struggles of regular Texans just don't interest him. We deserve a senator whose team is Texas. Ted Cruz only cares about himself. You know that. He wants to divide us, to get people to fear their neighbors and turn on their teachers. He banned books, outlaw all abortions, and cut Social Security and Medicare. That's not my Texas. Texas Democratic Congressman Colin Allred, now a candidate for United States Senate. There's many powerful elements of that announcement video today. But the line toward the end where you say to the Texas voters about Ted Cruz, you know that, <laughs> you know, he's only out for himself. And you know that. And you say that with a confidence um, that I find compelling, that uh, that the that the easiest case you're going to have to make uh, to Texans uh, is the the singularly unlikability of uh, of Ted Cruz. Yeah, I'm going to venture out on a limb here and say that. Most Texans do know that we can't count on Ted Cruz in a crisis. You know, him jetting off to Cancun when Texans were freezing in the dark, you know, wasn't just a joke. Uh, it was something that he turned his back on 30 million Texans who needed a senator who was doing everything he could to take care of them during that time. And Texans can't afford six more years of Ted Cruz in the Senate. And honestly, Lawrence, as, as you know, the country can't afford six more years of a senator who tried to overthrow an American presidential election. This is gonna be a tough fight. I know that. 
Uh, but I've been in tough fights all my life. As I said in that video, I was raised by a single mother in Dallas, was a public school teacher. We struggled. I made it to the NFL, of course, to law school and to Congress. And we need your help. We need folks out there who understand that 30 million Texans deserve a better senator. If you care about this country, if you care about the state, go to ColinAlred.com and get involved with us. You know, we keep tracking Demo uh, Democratic politics in Texas and trying to find the spot in the curve where a statewide Democratic vote could outnumber uh, the Republican vote, which is to say vote for a candidate. Uh, you can do that by pulling over some people who voted for Ted Cruz in the past. You can do that by by pulling in independents, by pulling in some Republicans. Uh, what gives you the confidence that you can do it this time? Well, I've done it before, uh, Lawrence. You know, I beat a 22 year incumbent who was unopposed uh, in the cycle before, just to get to Congress, he was the chairman of the Rules Committee, one of the most powerful members of Congress, and we beat him pretty handily. And I think what we've shown, uh, both in our campaigns and in my time in Congress, is that we try to bring folks together, try to you know cast a broad net. Anybody out there who's looking for somebody who maybe you won't agree on everything, but you understand that I care about you and your family, that I'm rooted in this community, in this state, that I'm going to go to work every single day to fight for you then get on board with us. And we've seen in our races that folks respond to that. We can both, as you said, try and get folks who are looking maybe for a political home uh, to give me a chance. But we also have worked on expanding the electorate and getting folks involved in our democracy who maybe weren't before. I think that's a winning formula anywhere, but it certainly has to be uh, the approach here in Texas. The fact is, you know, Ted Cruz is an extremist. He's an extremist who wants to ban all abortions, wants to make every decision uh, for women in, I think, one of the most you know, difficult moments uh, in any woman's life. He's somebody who wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. He brags about that. He's somebody who doesn't try at all to actually solve any problems in this country. Over the last 10 years, when he's been in the United States Senate, he's used his position in the Senate to pit Americans against each other, to pit Texans against each other. He's honestly busier being a podcaster, which he does three times a week, than actually being a senator. Texans deserve a better senator, and we don't have to be embarrassed by our senator. We can get a new one, and that's the beauty of our democracy, and that's the chance that we have in this election. Uh, as this year plays out, uh, we're going to see the Republicans staking out positions around the debt ceiling issue and also around budget issues going forward. Uh, the House uh, that you're a member of, has, that the Republicans there have already voted for massive cuts in federal spending. Uh, if they had their way, how would that affect Texans? Well, they've also cut, voted for massive cuts to services for our veterans. That's something that I'm most proud of the work that I've done in my time in Congress is trying to help our veterans opening a new VA hospital uh, in my district. Listen, the Republicans are not at all serious about being fiscally responsible. They've raised the debt ceiling three times during the Trump presidency. Uh, what they're doing now is trying to get a wish list of Republican policies by holding the American economy and honestly, the global economy hostage. And some of these folks are just honestly not serious people, Lawrence. And, and that's the one thing that does very much concern me, particularly about some of my colleagues in the House, is that they have no intention of doing uh, what's the right, the right thing for the country. Uh, and so that's the danger that we're in right now. And many of the folks who I worked best with in some of my previous terms in Congress uh, are no longer a part of their party because they've driven them out like an Anthony Gonzalez in Ohio or even a Liz Cheney. Uh, and so, you know, this is a more extreme version of this party than we've ever seen. And Ted Cruz is honestly uh, the avatar of that. Uh, he is somebody who has 
basically shown the way uh, in the leading in terms of extremism, in terms of divisiveness. Uh, he is somebody who has made our country a darker, more divided place, and we can do better. We all know that Ted Cruz is a pretty evil being. He, uh, this is a guy who he came to the defense of his wife, but then became, somehow became a suck up to Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump accused his father of killing. He accused uh, his wife. He claimed his wife was ugly, all kind of stuff he said. And now we have Ted Cruz sucking on Donald Trump. Think about that. Think about the character of a person who would have a guy as a, 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 an incompetent like Donald Trump uh, reference his families in negative ways. And he's still, he's still there trying to protect him. What Allred said in that ad was true. He only cares about himself. In other words, doesn't matter that, he's a, that, that he was ridiculed. It doesn't matter that his family was ridiculed. He only cares about what he can get out of others. And you know, that's the same thing he does with the state. And that's why the state has been suffering for that. It's going to be good seeing a good candidate like Colin Allred really pull it out. Maybe get where uh, Beto O'Rourke was unable to because of circumstances. But now the possibility is there. I think he wins. I honestly think he wins. Hey, uh, here's the thing. Uh, go ahead. Uh, oh, uh, Alistair, if you want to meme, you see how Michael Rudnan and, uh, and Bridge MCP does, they, they find the, the page that they have the meme on and just send me the link of the page. You take the link out of the address bar and just put it in the feed and I'll pick that up and I'll put it onto the screen. So you just have to give me the link to it and then I'll put it on. Mike Cisak says, Michael Rudnan, we are currently a laughing stock due to the idiot in the White House. Actually, not really. The rest of the world is fearing that Donald Trump would come into power because, again, we have, as usual, just like Obama had to clean up George Bush's mess, uh, uh, Biden had to clean up uh, Trump's mess, uh, Clinton had to clean up Reagan's mess, and I wrote about all of it. If you can read my book as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. So, you know, what can I say? Uh, what can I say? What can I say? So that, that is where we're at. Uh, so if you have something you want me to share, Alistair, just throw the link to that page where you found it, and I'll figure a way to put it onto the screen for you. Uh, so here, here we go. Let me, let me just say something, because I think, I think um, Mike Cisek did something important for us today. And this is, this is what I, what I, uh, uh, I think. Um, look, he is completely entwined in all the memes and the false narratives put out by white supremacist groups. Just what he's saying is, is uh, predicated on him reading that information and predisposed to believe in that information that makes him incapable of learning. But that he's incapable of learning doesn't stop me from addressing him because there are many reading the same thing that he is that will listen to what we are saying 
and have a more analytical mind, a mind that is more apt to improve on itself, and they'll change. He may never change. He will live completely in his misery that those who are controlling him with the strings want him because they own him implicitly. So here is a teaching thing that I want to get out of this conversation here, my brothers and sisters. Embrace the conversation. Embrace the misinformed. Embrace the ill-informed. And just like we can use... Let me, let, me, let me tell you something that folks didn't realize. You know, when the Apollo mission went, Apollo 11 mission went astray, uh, people were like, how the hell are they going to come back to Earth? They don't ha- they've lost their fuel. They don't have the propulsion system to get them around. And engineers always find a way out if there is a way out, right? So these guys come around and say, wait a minute. We can use that thing that could be a negative in this point, a moon that's dragging us to them, right? The moon is dragging us to them. We can save our fuel to get into a burn at the correct point to get into the orbit of the moon and use that force from the moon to slingshot us back to earth. So here we are in trouble. But we think we use something that could otherwise be not. It's not about embracing the ignorant or the extremists. It's about using them for fuel. Using them for fuel. Mike Cisak is fuel to get the right message to some. That's all I'm saying. He is lost. I'm convinced when somebody is so obsessed like he is with trying to use melanin as a discriminant factor, you know. But again, those who are going to listen to this podcast tomorrow, they're going to say, wow, I get it. Not all, but enough of them will say, wow, I get it. You know how I know, Bridge? I get the emails. I get the emails. That's what I get. But anyhow, we are coming close to the end of the program. I want to thank everybody for being here, including you, Mr. CSAC, because you've assisted me in uh, as well in putting out a message. So I appreciate that. Let's see. Uh, Daniel Ledo says, chaos is approaching and its agents, Egberto, have paved the way. Ironically, when it arrives, the same agents will squeal innocence, unfortunately for them. They will not be immune to the very chaos they gleefully cheered to the manifest. Wow. Mike Cisak says, or rather, uh, Raywood to Mike Cisak says, that's not what the statistics and opinion polls are showing. But you, you go ahead and listen to and believe the far-right pundits. Well, you know, they do. And that's why they're so disappointed when all the crap that been that they've heard don't materialize. Like they thought Trump was going to win. Remember, Mike Cisak was here so convinced that Trump was going to win. And I told him he was dreaming. And it, Trump didn't only lose. He got a... Right, it's Apollo 13. I, I said Apollo 11. 
Apollo, Apollo 11 landed on the moon. Apollo 13 was the one with the, with the problem. Uh, yes, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. But yes, um, uh, yeah, that is what happened. So, you know, that's why he was so... Sh- Remember how sure... I don't know. You guys can go back to the tapes on 20, in 2020. When Michael... He was so sure. CSEC was so sure. Trump, that we were going to take a shellacking. And I kept on saying, mark my lips. It's not going to happen. I look at the real numbers. You're looking at the fake numbers. I'm looking at the real numbers. And it turned out, of course, we were right, posse, or most of the PDR posse. We were right. And you know why we were right? Because we follow. What again do we follow? We are science-based. Please support the show, my dear brothers and sisters. Go to politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. E2247 says, Egberto, I love you talking of science Ignorant people are stubborn. You're right. I couldn't read what was in between uh, E2247. That language I don't speak. But anyhow, we got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Love you all. I am what? You know what am I? I am out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.